Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, filling in for your host, Michael DePodpina. I'm Rohan Nakani, joined today by the host of the Sports Illustrated Weekly Podcast. Frankly, the, the co-host, the host of Open Floor. I mean, it's like he's like the super sub, you know, the Tyler Hero, the Lou Williams, I'd say, <laughs> of Open Floor. It's John Gonzalez. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm I'm getting comfortable here. I don't want to say <laughs> co-host, but I'll take sixth man. Okay. You know, I, like I, mean, I, I want to pitch I, in and help out. Yeah. And I say that as someone who has the utmost respect for the sixth man. I, you know, mm-hmm. I think we're on the same page there. It's a valuable part of any team. You know, it's an important role to play. It's a selfless role to play. You know, not everyone's willing to do it. Um, I think it says a lot about your character, that you're willing to step in to the host chair when necessary you delivered some great episodes with Dan Devine. Um, I want to get to a couple housekeeping things real quick before we start today's show. First of all, our apologies for the technical difficulties on Friday's episode. We'll have to get Jeremy Wu back on the show sometime to do our rookie preview. I want to apologize for all the emailers who said that we we overthought our Shaquille O'Neal segment. I just want to say <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Shaq. Okay, That's, let me let me be clear that I think Shaq would dominate any era of NBA basketball. I also want to let the listeners know, because I tried to let them know last week, I saw the pod in person a little over a week ago. He's doing great. Bumped into him, his wife, and the baby pod on a walk in Brooklyn, which was hilarious. Amazing. Um, yeah, baby pod. Just randomly br- bumped into him. Yeah, it was incredible. It was. I, I literally yelled as I was walking down the street, is that Michael the Pod, Bina? Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to get that baby some heat gear pretty soon. Uh, but, John, we we have, in my opinion, a very exciting show today. I think every show is exciting. But today, um, you know, we're back together and we got a lot of stuff to discuss. Uh, first and foremost being we got another trickle, you know, another drop of Kevin Durant information this morning. Uh, I believe it was Sean Strani reporting that the Grizzlies are the latest team to show interest in Kevin Durant. Now, one thing about this report, you have to imagine every team in the league has shown interest in Kevin Durant. Every general manager has probably had even a perfunctory conversation about acquiring KD. But, John, what did you make of this latest uh, rumor? You know, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, so I I woke up this morning and I I saw this and I immediately uh, texted you to say, hey, you know, we're going to need to discuss this for a number of reasons. But according to Shams, the Grizzlies are interested now. That piqued my interest. The tweet starts with the Grizzlies have five first round picks to theoretically utilize in a Kevin Durant trade. Okay, like now we're off and running, right? Except the next half of that tweet says, but sources say that they will not make 
Jaron Jackson Jr. or Desmond Bain available. Oh, come on. What are we doing here? This doesn't feel like an actual overture. This doesn't feel like a real uh, trade proposal. If you're not, I mean, look, look, obviously Ja is off the table, but when you're talking about Kevin Durant, everybody else and everything mm-hmm. else must be on the table. Otherwise, why pick up the phone? This is exceedingly dumb. Yeah, we've gotten we've gotten so much public posturing in these Durant reports about who teams are or are not willing to part ways with, to the point where I I don't I just refuse to take them seriously. I mean, they can say that they can say that to agents, they can say that to reporters, but you and I here know that that's just ridiculous. Because um, I think Memphis would be a fantastic destination for Kevin Durant. I wrote about this in a roundtable we did for SI.com earlier this year, earlier this summer, I should say. That's the spot I'd like to see him in the most. Uh, I think it would be really fun. It would just throw, you know, so much gas on the fire and the rivalry between the Warriors and the Grizzlies. I think it would be great for a small market to have a player like Kevin Durant. Uh, It bothers me that Memphis just kind of gave up on DeAnthony Mountain earlier this summer, tossed him to your Sixers for a measly first-round pick. Uh, Because I think some kind of package... I mean, Kyle Anderson, too, I think is the kind of player who maybe could have been involved here. He left in Minnesota. But I think any package has to start with two of Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson. I think you have to part ways with two of those guys. I think you tell the Nets, pick one of Jaron Jackson Jr. or Desmond Bain, and you get Dylan Brooks and whatever else we need to make the salaries match. And I think if you're the Grizzlies, I think you do that trade. I really do. As great as Jaron Jackson Jr. is, as much as I'm a fan of Desmond Bain, shout out to Michael Pina's profile about him. I think you make that trade if you're Memphis. I really do. Yeah, and I want to be clear. I mean, I really like Triple J, and I really like Desmond Bain. I like them both. I do not like them as much as Kevin Durant. We talked about this the last time before you went on your uh, August sabbatical like the rest of the NBA, (laughs) where if you can get Kevin Durant for... I don't know anything, right? Like no matter what that anything is, it's always going to be expensive. The answer is almost always in an every instance. Yes, because he's Kevin Durant. So um, I understand why the Grizzlies, they've got a young team. They were on the rise last year. They might not want to mess with um, the trajectory of their team. I understand that uh, unplugging some of the, these younger guys might seem scary to them, but of course, Triple J and Desmond Bain have to be on the table. And if you had to unload both of them for Kevin Durant, I would still do that because it's Kevin Durant. So I, I don't think I don't think it's much of a, a thought experiment. I, I thought the tweet was sort of silly. I, I'm sure that that's the position that the Grizzlies are taking with the Nets and whatever negotiations that they've um, undertaken so far. But to, to say that those two guys are off the table, okay, then what are you sending, right? Like, get out <laughs> yeah. of here. Um, the other thing, though, I want to reverse engineer this. I think, theoretically uh, and on paper, it would be a wonderful landing spot for Kevin Durant, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I really like the, the shape of the Grizzlies. Obviously, Ja took a massive step. Uh, you know, it immediately makes them contenders in the West. If you're Kevin Durant, though, one, are you crazy excited about going back to the Western Conference? And specifically, two, do you want to be in Memphis? No disrespect to Memphis, the the place, but you know, he lived in OKC for a long time and then immediately decamped for San Francisco and then Brooklyn. Do you want to be in Memphis? You know, I think this is a classic beggars can't be choosers situation. He really wants out clearly of Brooklyn. I mean, I, I actually have not been to Memphis. It's like the biggest, it's like the number one black hole on my NBA city resume. I have, I would like to say, I like Memphis. Yeah. I like it. I, 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 as someone who hasn't been, I kind of love it already. I'm like dry rub barbecue, yes, great fans. I love the grindhouse. You know, I love the yep. energy of that building and playoff games. Uh, I think he would. I I I think that a. I'm just saying. Have, I, I'm just saying it's a smaller place, right? Like it's no doubt. It's it's one of the the more remote NBA outposts, and to leave New York City and previously San Francisco for a much smaller provincial. NBA city. I just wonder. It's not an ideal situation, but it's going to be difficult for him to find an ideal situation considering the number of years left he has on his deal. I think that he seems so desperate to get out. He could do worse than landing on kind of like an up and coming team 
And I don't think he cares about the public criticism, the fake rings talk or whatever too much. But I bet on some level it would be nice for him to go to a team where he could... He'd still be joining a good team, but he's still in a situation where he can put his stamp on things there. Um, still be, you know, kind of one of the leaders on the team, have an influence about how things are going to go. I think that would be cool. I think that I agree it's not the biggest city, but from a basketball situation standpoint, I think it would be very difficult for him to find a better one. I do. Oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that. Um, I was going to say that. Yeah, from a basketball perspective, I think it would be good for him. He's it's going to be good for him wherever he goes because he's an incredible player. Right. I want to play devil's advocate one more time here. Okay. For the Grits. Mm. It's Jaw's team. You bring in yep. Kevin Durant, it's it's maybe not automatically Kevin Durant's team, but you definitely go from you're the top dog, you're one of the young up and coming stars. You could very well be the face of the entire league soon enough because you're that good and you've shown that you you know who knows what that next step mm-hmm. looks like for Ja, right Do, are we super excited about you know it's not like he goes to two it's probably a one one a situation but how do we feel about that i will say it's interesting the thought did cross my mind but i believe Ja didn't he give his most improved trophy to desmond bain he does seem he did. like he literally who, gave, he put yeah. it in desmond bain's yeah. house so I think he has shown to be a great teammate. I mean, obviously supported the team when he was injured, you know, still around. I think he's one of those guys that I think Ja would see the bigger picture. This KD uh, topic, though, does make me want to throw a surprise email at you, John. Oh, okay. Because uh, this is now a continuing plot line. Last week, Elliot Gold sent us the email uh, Tatum for KD straight up. Who says no? Jeremy and I both said the Celtics probably say no. Mm-hmm. Elliot follows up. Okay, back to KD for Tatum straight up. Maybe the Celtics have to say no because of narrative and optics. But if you switch Tatum and KD for last year's finals, the Celtics are definitely better and probably beat the Warriors, right? From a purely basketball standpoint, the Celtics are a better team with KD and Tatum's spot. You know... He's changing my mind a little bit on this one. Are we are we like going too far with like the Tatum's going to explode in the next five years? Like if the Celtics traded for KD right now with just traded Jason Tatum, wouldn't they be a better team next season? It's an interesting thought experiment, um, especially where he says, you know, if you had put KD in the Tatum spot, that's what started in to the sell finals, me a little bit. Yeah, he, he has a point. He has a point because you're right in in a vacuum. Um, that's probably a better team, right? However. Mm-hmm. It's not a vacuum. And, you know, I don't know what the ceiling is for Tatum. I do know that he's very, very young uh, and incredibly talented. And that team works as currently comprised. So I think when you're factoring in the age component and like the fact that you just got to the finals and, okay, yeah, it didn't come out the way that you were expecting or hoping against the Warriors, but, you know, sky's the limit for that team you know, without having to do that, it would give me pause, right? He's also your mm-hmm. guy. You drafted him. Yeah. I mean, he's a Celtic and like those guys who are that good, uh, that are homegrown, it takes some undoing. It takes some thought before you go, okay, mm, I'm, we're going to move on from even for somebody as incredible as KD. Mm-hmm. Now, would I still do it? It's KD, right? It goes back to what we talked yeah. about earlier. In almost every scenario, I'm probably pulling the trigger even though... Uh, in that specific instance, that would hurt. Yeah, it would be crazy if uh, a team passed up on Tatum in the draft, if you think about how good he is now. Um, let us move on to the schedule release yeah. that happened last week. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, just a really an absurd, long, drawn-out process between all the leaks and blah, blah, blah. It was like six days of NBA games trickling out, and it's like, the jazz are playing whatever on november 22nd and it's like what is going on here like what like who is this benefiting why does anyone want this um i don't want to get into a sports media discussion about the schedule release but yeah they're gonna release it all at once we don't need to do this like it's not a scoop like just we're gonna get the games we're gonna watch the games the, the days they are played like we don't we don't need the breaking news on such and such game being played anyway Although James Harden threw his hat into that sports media ring by scooping everybody on uh, Sixers at Knicks. So welcome to the sports media, <laughs> yeah. James Harden. 
There we go. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins let's start here you sent me a tweet about which teams had the most national tv games that included their nba tv games um are you are you satisfied with who the league is kind of featuring this season national tv wise uh is there another team you'd like to see more often when aka like when can we start complaining about the number of national tv games the knicks have yeah, not surprising, right? I mean, they're the, they're the Knicks. Uh, they're in a major market. S- similarly, I believe the Warriors have half of their games on yes, national TV. I do TV. think that, that I believe it's forty-two, but I believe that figure includes NBA TV. Right. Which, which I mean, some people, yeah. What what disrespect that you're tacitly throwing at NBA TV by <laughs> by hinting that it's not really a national network? It's um, fake national TV. I'm sorry, <laughs> NBA TV is fake national TV, and the NBA is price gouging me. By making me add the NBA TV package to NBA League Pass. That's absurd. Yeah, I mean, look, the major markets, the big teams, the Lakers of the world, the Warriors, the Knicks, they're always going to get a ton of national TV games. Similarly, the big stars, right? I mean, you're going to see a lot of Giannis, uh, a a fair amount of Embiid. You're going to get the Celtics because of the Celtics. Twas ever thus, right? I mean, like, this is the way that the NBA and every, every sports league operates, really. Uh, because look, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. I love watching Ja. Uh, maybe the casual NBA fan isn't as enamored with the smaller markets, so they're not going to get as much run. So it's not surprising, I guess. I, I think to your earlier point though about the schedule release and all this stuff, like the NBA trying to make this a thing, this is part and parcel of it, right? How many national TV games go out there, mm-hmm. the Christmas Day Wars, which I want to discuss with you because the NFL mm-hmm. is making its um, its push to battle the NBA on Christmas Day. Traditionally, Christmas Day had been the NBA's day, and now the NFL is mm-hmm. trying to encroach on its territory. But the NBA is trying to do the same thing the NFL does with, with its schedule release, and it's different because as my... Uh, friend and former colleague in in Philadelphia, Derek Bodner, who does a great job covering the Sixers uh, with his newsletter. He he was like, it's 82 games. You're going to play most teams uh, on your side of the conference four (laughs) times. You're going to play the other conference twice. What are we doing here? And that's why I'm with him. Like, what are we doing here? This is just all very silly. It's all very silly. It's all very stupid. It it could not. You're like everyone who cared about the schedule the day it comes out immediately forgot it the next day. Like you're just like, what does it even matter? You're gonna you look at your team's schedule and you're like, oh, we got that tough road trip in December, and then you don't think about it again until that road trip actually happens. I will just say, going back to the Knicks real quick, 
whatever like you know they get the they get their customary i think it's like 13 national tv games my bigger issue is putting them on christmas every year i it, which we can get into the christmas discussion now but i understand that they're a big market but you know and, and they do have the grizzlies on this year and i believe they have the nuggets uh on or and, and i'll see i already forgot the christmas schedule because it, it doesn't matter until christmas eve which teams are actually playing on christmas but why like why do we keep doing this with the Knicks? I, I it's so <laughs> absurd. It's so absurd. And then last year last year they put them on and they're like playing on a weird court. They're like wearing weird uniforms. It looks like a Halloween game. And I'm like, that that is what really bothers me because I'd rather save that spot for a team that we think is actually gonna make the playoffs or actually gonna be good, etc. And then, like, the Knicks fans go through, like, oh, Knicks for clicks. And it's like, I'm the Knicks are being shoved down my throat. You know what I'm saying? This is like a personal affront to you. Look, uh, I will say, as you well know, uh, you'll always curry favor with me with Knicks and Celtics slander. So <laughs> I get that. That's that's not a problem. I do say, though, from a, from a marketing perspective, Sixers at Knicks to kick off uh, or tip off Sunday or Christmas Day coverage is a compelling, interesting rivalry traditionally. It's got two big markets. You do get Embiid and Harden. I get why they're doing it. But I wanted to, like, the reason why I sent this to you is because I love Christmas Day NBA. I always have. Of course. And the NFL, um, the NFL is king in America. And now all of a sudden they're throwing out Christmas Day games as well. And they have been, but they've got three games this year. And it's going to create warfare in my household. My wife works for NFL Network. But the reason why I brought this up is I want to know what you'll be watching. This is obviously an NBA pod. You and I will probably be watching the NBA, but the NFL will, is lingering out there. And when this happened, when the NFL released its Christmas Day schedule relative to the NBA's Christmas Day schedule, I didn't think it was that big a deal until like I was talking to all the staffers on Sports Illustrated Weekly. And they think like the NFL schedule will blow away the NBA games. And I was kind of surprised by that because I didn't think that their slate of games was all that compelling compared to the NBA's slate. So can we run through this? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, sports illustrated pays me to watch the NBA. So I'll probably be watching that even though I believe the Packers and the dolphins of Miami are playing on Christmas day. So I'll probably be keeping an eye on that game, um, depending on how much it overlaps with the Knicks game, which I try to skip every year now. Um, yeah, so you get six, Packers, yeah. you get Packers, Dolphins up against Sixers, Knicks, uh, yep, which yeah. you don't want to watch the Knicks anyway, and the, no. the Dolphins are your so, team, so you get to do and, that. And Sixers Heat was right there. I mean, Sixers Heat was right there. They just played a compelling playoff series. We have the Jimmy Butler, uh, Joel Embiid. They, it was right there. It was right there, and they didn't do it. Um, I am already annoyed at the discourse about the Christmas Day games because I think the NFL is going to do monster ratings like they always do. They're like the monster from Nope. They just suck everything up. Uh, they just, you know, they they take out the power and they just are, you know, <laughs> sucking everything up through their giant mouth hole. That's what the NFL <laughs> does. Um and I already know, like, all the NFL reporters, every single one, they all have the same haircut. You know the guy that I'm talking about. Um, all six of them are just going to be, like, tweeting out the ratings as soon as they can, comparing it to the NBA ones. And it's like, here we go with this, you know, the latest round of how much more popular the NFL is than the NBA. And I just cannot bring myself to care about it. Um, but what I do care about is how embarrassing it is when – like the reporters of their own league, like feel the need to hype up the product so much. Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand why the NFL wants to be on Christmas. I understand why well, Christmas NFL is reporters, actually on a Sunday this year, right? It's on a Sunday. Yeah. So it's not like they're completely In, blowing up there. Right. In the past, they used to like, would just play all the games on a Saturday in that scenario or something right. like that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so the other game, the other two games, because I want to run through the schedule here. So they have mm-hmm. the Broncos at the Rams, and then you get so it's Russell Wilson and Broncos and country. Let's ride and the yeah. uh, defending <laughs> Super Bowl champions, and then you've got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at the Arizona Cardinals. And the rest of the NBA schedule is, of course, you've got the Lakers at the Mavs, 
the Bucks at the Celtics. They had a great, you were talking about a great mm-hmm. series that was just there. They won seven games. You get Grizz at Warriors, so Ja against Steph, and then the nightcap is kind of boring. Uh, and not not boring, but I like I like watching Suns and Nuggets. Um, but in terms of like national appeal, I don't know how much pop mm. you're getting from that. So it's almost like Nikola Jokic is the undercover MVP. He finally gets a Christmas game though after. He is yeah. the undercover MVP, yeah. but he does get uh, a Christmas Day game. I wonder if the NBA even thinks about what the NFL is doing when they're scheduling I, they, these games. They can't. I mean, they're going to get hammered in the ratings. I, I don't. I mean, what could they do? I don't know what they can do at this point. I mean, short of just like planting stories in the, like, I, there's nothing they can do. They're going to get hammered. I mean, do you think the ratings will be close? Not to get into full-on ratings talk, but... Probably I, not. I, I mean, we, we can already see it. We already know which Substack writers are going to write about the ratings mess and how it connects to, like, the cultural evolution in America, and we're all going to hate that piece. Um, we're all going to hate the tweets about... the like. I, I just... Watch the sport you like, and, like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, all these leagues are making a tremendous amount of money, but... Yeah, it's not even like it doesn't bother me that the NFL is more popular than the NBA. That's just, you know, life. But it bothers me the like the way people try to read into it. I, I, and it's going to happen. We're not going to we're not going to be able to escape it this year. I personally am just really excited about a very Merry Christmas in the Gonzalez household where <laughs> my wife is watching the NFL in one room and in on the other side of the house I'm watching the NBA yeah. as <laughs> Our Lord intended, yes. so it's going to be great. As, yeah, yeah. My, shout out to Kyrie Irving, by the way. People talk about representation, but they asked him, I think, a couple years ago what it means for him to play on Christmas, and he was like, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Um, shout out to all the people who you know grew up in a non-Christian household and also are like, oh, cool. Five, I get, I'm off from Sports school. Sports are and we on. Get 10 hours of basketball. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, let me know about the Diwali day release, you know? Give me, <laughs> let me know, but... Um, Amazing. Uh, moving on, John, you sent me this, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I I was excited for this, and then somehow it escaped my mind that this actually happened, and then you sent me about what actually happened. Of course, I'm referring to the crossover event held in Seattle over the weekend. A lot of hype. LeBron James kind of returning to play basketball in Seattle for the first time uh, in 15 years, I believe. Um, unfortunately, the event just kind of went haywire quickly. Uh, the Seattle Times had a great story about it I was reading today. Um, first, I think the event was just not really prepared to handle the number of people who were trying to attend. Um, you know, there was basically a mob at the front door to even get into the event. Uh, then there were so many people inside. There was too much humidity on the court. They had to mm-hmm. stop the game after one and a half quarters. In the Seattle Times story, they said they couldn't open the doors and let out some of the humid air because they were worried about more people charging in. Um, and it honestly just makes me disappointed. I think it's so great that the NBA players who want to participate in these pro-am games, it's a lot of fun. It reminds me of that vibe we had uh, during the 2011 lockout. It was so fun when players were popping up at courts around the country. I think it's sad that this happened to Seattle, which deserves a basketball team. Um, what'd you make of this, John? Yeah, I was going to ask you... All right, so for people who don't know, all NBA contracts essentially have a for the love of the game clause, which mm-hmm. basically means that any NBA player can play in any basketball game anywhere whenever they want, provided that you know it's not for like another team during the NBA season. Mm-hmm. So if you want to play pickup, you can play pickup. If you want to play in the crossover, you can play the crossover. If you want to play the Drew League, you can do that. I wonder, though, how much... Uh, benefit there is to the guys who are up there it was awesome that lebron went up there and and Mm -hmm. played around with some kids and whatever right but like part of it's comic right where you've got tweets Mm -hmm. people talking about okay it was so hot inside and there was so much humidity and the floors were so wet they had to call the game early and also the game started late because somebody pulled the fire alarm right and like all that stuff all of that is kind of funny but then you have other things like you know chet holmgren rolling his ankle uh and who knows like what kind of lingering effect that might have. And then also, you know, players were worried. The reason why the game stopped was because the floor was so wet that they were worried about when they jump and they land something Mm -hmm. bad happening. That's where you go. Oh yeah. Maybe this isn't so great, right? Like playing in the drew league, one thing playing in, you know, the Olympics or the world championships or something like that. One thing, 
playing in the crossover on a humid floor where it's like uh, a fire hazard and you can't open the doors because you're worried about people rushing in, probably not as great. I hear you, but I'm I'm all in on like you can't just stay wrapped up, you know, hermetically sealed in a bubble during the off sure. season. You know, these guys are expected to come into training camp in amazing shape every year, and they're they want to hoop. You know what I mean? Like if you get hurt playing basketball, that's unfortunate, obviously. But you know, how else are you gonna get better? You know what I mean? You, at some point, you just gotta you gotta play. Um, I'm all for it. I would I would never want to discourage the idea of LeBron James playing basketball, you know, in a non-Lakers capacity. And, you know, and they mentioned in that Seattle Times story, you know, they prioritized kids, uh, you know, coming in to see the game. So, like, adults yeah, were waiting in line. Um, and that's cool. And, like, these games are free. And, you know, I remember when the Heat got criticized for that welcome parade rally thing they did when they signed the big three, which granted was ludicrous, but I was there and it was the best night of my life. Um, that was, that was a free event and it was really cool for people who, you know, just got to show up and see their favorite players, even if they weren't playing a basketball. Um, you know, I think Chris Bosch likes to say they, they filled the stands, even though no one even touched a basketball that night. Um, I, I think it's really cool. I, I just, I love anything that connects me back to, you know, we all at some point in our lives like picked up a basketball, like went down to our local park and played with whoever was there. You know what I mean? And I love that spirit. So yeah, the thought of like injuries and stuff, obviously it would be terrible, but it doesn't even cross my mind because it's just a reminder of like, Oh yeah. Like LeBron James started playing basketball, like the same way everyone else did. You know what I mean? Like playing at a local gym, playing at a local park. And that, that like genuinely brings me joy. Yeah, that part's great. I'm just saying that there's a level of due diligence where, like, you know, there, there are some there are some uh, non NBA games pick up. Like, okay, we both live in LA, right? LA is like the epicenter of off season NBA, and there are mm-hmm. pickup games all over the city, including and especially the games that they run over at UCLA, right? Or, Those floors you know, are okay. A, it's not yeah, what, and they're not worried about slipping. Mansions, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I mean. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. There's some level of like due diligence on like what kind of, where are we playing this game, and is anybody pulling the fire alarm ahead of time? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> wow, really coming in like the Grinch here on... Uh, <laughs> On the crossover and pickup games, I'm, you want a humidity I, check? You want in a? I just don't want cr- guys to be be breaking ankles on wet floors in August. That's all. One I'm of saying. my one of my favorite things about cricket, like watching cricket with my dad growing up, is like before the match, one of the commentators would go onto the field and he'd be kneeling down on the pitch like squatting down near it and like touching it mm-hmm. you know, it's a really dry pitch today like you're gonna <laughs> want to bowl first or you know blah 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 like this is why it's a it's a it's a batter's pitch today like that they need you doing that they need you going down on the court touching it yeah, yeah. Yep. you're like Mm-mm. You know, you, you're like the humidity <laughs> percentage on the floor right now there, there's <laughs> a reason why they got the in during the regular season those kids with the squeegees and the towels right i mean come on <laughs> yeah that's true um yeah maybe that's all they needed maybe they just all needed they need. a, um, a more legit squeegee slash towel operation there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. (laughs) 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Let's get to what I thought is, you know, the biggest NBA news of the offseason. I think the best signing of the offseason, bar none. Um, something that I think could genuinely affect the championship race. I'm excited about um, this for you. It's the captain. It's the real Mr. 305. Um, the, the carrier of culture himself, Udonis Haslam, returning to the Miami Heat for his 20th season. Just an absolute legend. I wish in, you know, a few years ago they'd given him a max contract instead of Hassan Whiteside. Um, I mean, he's just a legend, John. I, there's there's no other way to put it. Um, your reaction to this momentous signing and, and what it means for the playoff picture in the East? The 20th season for Udonis Haslam <laughs> in the NBA is just really remarkable. He's, he just turned 42 years old, mm-hmm. bro, and he's still out there. Like, he's obviously now... Uh, more of a you know locker room veteran presence, extra coach. Mm-hmm. Also, like I'll make sure Jimmy Butler doesn't get out of line, and I'll threaten to mm-hmm. fight him periodically, <laughs> like during the regular season guy. But he is such like we talk, we joke about the cliche that is Heat culture. But he really I don't is joke about culture. it, but other people I know, do. but yeah. everybody else does. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he is very much the embodiment of whatever that is, right? I mean, he's been doing it forever. I'm I'm reluctant to ask this question because I'm older than you, but I'm going to do it anyway. Where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> 20 years ago, 2003, um, I was... 2002, Holmes. 2002, that's right. Well, he, he joined the team in 2003. He joined the team in 2003. Um, 20 years ago, I was like... It was 2002. I was like, will the, Miami Mar- will the Florida Marlins ever win a World Series again? Mm-hmm. Um, sure enough, they did the next year. Uh, I was like the heat, they really got to get, you know, I was watching the sunshine network as they called it back in the day. We got to get someone to help Karan Butler out. Um, were you in high school? How, how old were you to, then? How old in 2002 was I in high school? I don't know John, how old you were. You, you're going to want to, you're going to want to cover your ears for this one, but I oh, was no. in 2002. I was in fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> that is so depressing. I was in Miss Francis's class listening to Get Busy by Sean Paul. Oh, my being God. Like, they, will, they will never make a song better than this one. I, I forget frequently that you're essentially a zygote uh, yeah. and that I am considerably older than you. I Even was, though you look, you, you, look, you look so much better than me. I don't. It's I was really disconcerting. In Dallas, uh, covering the Mavericks, one of my first gigs out of college. And, you know, trying to find my way in, in this business. And you were, you know, coloring and having recess and <laughs> uh, lunchtime snacks and naps. I, amazing. That's how that's how long Udonis Haslam has been doing this, though, to put that in perspective. That you now look at you. Your glow up from fourth grade I to was, now. I was, I was trying to figure out if Lauren Jones had a crush on me. That was all I could think about in fourth what grade. What was the answer? It's up in the air. I mean, she went to the fifth grade dance with someone else, but uh, I mean, I think I just, you know, I blew it. I blew it. It's fine. Um, but congrats to Donis and congrats to you yeah. on this, this very long relationship that you've had with him. Yes. Um, in all seriousness, I just want to say about Udonis Hasm returning to the heat. I love it. And I understand why he's become like a source of annoyance for other fan bases. The heat fans, myself included are annoying about him. I don't blame anyone else. Who thinks we're ridiculous about him? Like, you're entitled to that opinion. Certainly, I love you, Donis Haslam. He's one of my all-time favorite players. My personal way of enjoying basketball is, yeah, I want to see my favorite players 
be on my favorite teams for as long as possible. So I'll never Udonis Haslam will always hold a space on the Miami Heat. I, I you know bring him back for twenty five seasons. I don't care. I I don't want to watch him walk away from the game. And as far as the impact he has, I know he plays very little, but you know I did a story on Max Struess in the playoffs. Um, talked about guys like PJ Tucker, Udonis Haslam, what they do in practices between games. You know, helping them play defense. Like, there's a reason why Max Struess is on the playing in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. It's because of how much he's improved on defense and how much of that happens because of the veterans who are in his ear that you don't see. You know, Omer Yurtsevin had a long stretch playing the season when Bam Adebayo was hurt. He said, I played one on one with UD every day. That's why I'm such a good rebounder. Um, So, Udonis mentioned it in his press conference or his announcement, I guess, about why he's returning to the team. You know, all the undrafted guys, there's a reason why they find success in Miami, and he's kind of a living embodiment of that. So, you know, people focus so much, oh, he doesn't play. You know, why doesn't he just coach? I, I think it makes a difference. They found something for them. It works. Uh, I want to ask you, though, like, is there a – I think AI doesn't really count. He was too mm-hmm. good. But if there was, like, a Sixers legend that could still be on the team that was entering their 20th season with the Sixers, who would you want it to be? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's not a ton of Sixers legends where you go, uh, like, you know, who Eric aren't the Allen Iverson. Come on. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Eric Snow. Yeah. Um, I did love that team, though. I will say that um, they kind of did do this with Allen Iverson at the end of his career. Yeah. He stopped playing in 2010. And I'll, tell, I'll just tell you a quick story about this. So 2010, while he's, like, still with the Grizzlies for, like, a half a second, um, a friend of mine had like a sports auction for charity and there was a whole bunch of different things on, on offer. And at the time, 2010 Sixers were not a good team. So there were, um, you know, you could bid on different things. So there was t- tickets to a Sixers game. So I put my name on the list for the, for like the minimum bid. And I figured, well, somebody else will come in behind me and outbid me. So I'm not going to have to pay for these tickets and go to this game. Literally nobody else at the auction bid on the Sixers tickets. And I was like, bummer. Now I've got to pay for this and go to this game. It turned out to be Allen Iverson's return game. So it ended up working out great. And it was really cool to see everybody like super excited about having him back in the building. But it it really was just like, like the farewell tour, right? Like, yeah. It was, thank you for your service. We appreciate it. We're going to cheer the hell out of you. We're going to pack the building one last time. And, you know, it didn't last very long. But this is a much better run for Udonis Haslam uh, in his never-ending farewell. How much longer do you think he can do this? He's 42. This, this is Tom Brady range. Yeah, this is going to be his last season. I'm pretty confident. I'm not reporting that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'm... 99% confidence that this is going to be his final season. I think he wanted to get to 20. Um, nice round number. And Yeah, he played a little bit last season. He played a little bit more, and I enjoyed his minutes. Like I think he can still like actually be a rotation backup big defensively uh, in the regular season at least. Um, yeah, the, I, I genuinely, the years that Hassan Whiteside was on the team, wish they were starting Udonis Hazem over him. Um <laughs> I saw Hassan Whiteside at the Fort Lauderdale Airport when I landed in Florida a couple weeks ago. Um, I wonder I wonder if he's going to land anywhere. Um, all right, John, you teased a mystery mailbag question to me via text yeah. that I want to get to now. Um, you said this is some, a crowdsourced mailbag question of sorts. Yeah. So I want to, yeah, the floor I, is yours, brother. I want to take you through something that happened to me over the weekend. It is kind of a crowdsourced mailbag question. So what happened was I'm, I'm on Twitter, you know, doom scrolling per use. And I see Mikhail Bridges tweet something and he tweets mm-hmm. out, uh, damn Mets hold that L right. So <laughs> Mikhail Bridges went to Villanova. He's a Philly area guy, like all Philly area guys. We hate all things New York, especially including the Mets thought it was pretty funny. Cause I, I like when anybody throws shade at the Mets as a Phillies fan. Mm-hmm. And I quote tweeted, I still can't believe that the Sixers traded him, meaning Mikael Bridges, because like that I'm in favor a, of all the Mets. Trade. Yeah, figure Absolutely it's a trade. Yeah. figure it's a throwaway tweet for people who don't remember. On draft night, Sixers take local hometown favorite whose mom worked for the Sixers. Works McKin- for the team. Yeah. Works for the team, Mikael Bridges, and they trade him for a guy named Zaire Smith, who I'm sure nobody remembers, and a pick. 
I again, I, I figure this is like a, a just a throwaway tweet. My mentions get full of people arguing one either in favor of yeah, I can't believe they traded Mikhail Bridges too. Or the opposite, no, 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 it's better that they traded him because the pick that they got back ended up turning into Tyrese Maxey, and the Maxey stands really love him, and they were arguing, many of them, that Maxey is both better and has a bigger upside than Mikhail Bridges, which I'm going to recuse myself from this conversation because I was losing Mm -hmm. my mind. I was like, look, I don't know. I just really like Mikhail Bridges, and I thought his Mets tweet was funny. My question for you, Ro, is... Where do you fall on this debate? This is a fascinating question. Yeah. So this is where I think context matters incredibly. Because I think the, let's say, the Suns as presently constructed are a better team with Mikhail Bridges than with Tyrese Maxey, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think Maxey is the kind of prospect you want on your team because... You can see someone, he could be my point guard for the next 10 years and maybe turn into a 20-point-per-game scorer. I don't think Bridges is that kind of player, but you think about the Sixers at the time, the team they had, if you had put a... They, who were, they were missing a player like Mikhail Bridges to put mm-hmm. around Embiid and Simmons. Uh, so that's a really difficult one. I think in a vacuum, if you're building a team from scratch... You probably want Maxi over Bridges, but if you're a contender and Bridges is your third or fourth best player, you're in fantastic shape. I mean, he's one of the top uh, perimeter defenders in the league. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a little bit more to his game. He can go off the dribble. He can run a pick and roll in a pinch. Uh, I think a good fast break player. I was I interviewed Mikhail Bridges for a story I did on perimeter defense at the start of the season because if you remember the start of the season they'd kind of tightened up some of the rules and it felt like yeah. defense was coming back and I was telling Mikhail Bridges I was like uh man like it's so fun watching you play defense like you know there are certain guys who like actually and he's like you know I was like I think you're one of the better defenders in the league and he was like hey man I appreciate the gas but let's not get carried away so he's also a pretty humble dude um so I'm a big Mikhail Bridges fan, but Me too. yeah, I just think that if you're starting a team from scratch, I go Maxi. But if you're a contender right now, I'd rather have Mikhail Bridges. And that's not a slide on Maxi, who's fantastic, but I, I just look for guys who are super high floor players in the postseason, and Bridges is that kind of guy. Yeah, I I think well, one, you know, in the moment when the Sixers traded Mikhail Bridges, they couldn't have known that it would end up like with Maxi falling into their lap at the time that trade was a bad trade, right? Like, yes. And and the Maxi pick was what in the twenties, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit of a home run. I mean, again, credit to them, but yeah, it, it it was dire there for a minute. It ended up working out for them. Uh, I want to say though, you know, I'm, I love Maxi. I think he's incredible. He's a great fit for the team and also specifically for the city. Like there's nobody in Philly Mm -hmm. Who has a bad word to say about Maxi? So that part's all to the good. Um, the the Bridges component is just interesting to me. Like when people were saying he's better, Maxi is better and has a bigger upside. I'm like, I don't know, because on the one hand, like Bridges is obviously a better two way player. He's a much better mm-hmm. defender, uh, and all for all the reasons you just outlined. Like he's probably never going to have that star pop potential that Maxi does. But you slot him into a contender, and you're just like, oh yeah, he's. He can guard anybody on the perimeter, and he's an awesome three-point shooter. Like, every team would kill for this. And Yeah, like, and it, he's probably always, like, he's probably always going to be paid less than Maxi in his career. It's really a fascinating thing, and it's just funny because if you think, like, you know, this season Maxi was obviously great, and the year before we saw the potential, but he wasn't the player he was um, in 2022. You think about, yeah, like the 2021 Sixers, they would have been sick with Mikhail Bridges. I mean, yeah. Uh, so it, it's funny. I mean, it, it kind of ended up working out for them, but it took a couple years, and I think that I wouldn't say they regret it, but I don't know. It's interesting to think if they had if they had Bridges. I remember tweeting about it once. Like, like there's a million Sixers what ifs. Like one of the basic ones is just like, what if they had actually kept Mikhail Bridges? Like maybe the the Simmons and Bead era is still going right now. Maybe, yeah. That that hypothetical uh, that took me down this rabbit hole and all because Mikhail Bridges and I and everybody else from Philly share a hatred of the Mets. So uh, <laughs> I guess thanks, Mets. 
Mikhail Bridges also sent one of my favorite tweets of all time, which was I he's like, I really want to see a young boy perform Nevada, even if he just came out and did that one song and left. I am with you. Mikhail, sign me up for that. I would I would just, you know, give me Nevada by Young Boy eight times in a row. I'd pay like a hundred bucks to see that. Super same. Sign me up. I'm coming with you. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell if you know this song or you're like, what is this youth talking about? Well, I mean, you, you were in uh, the fourth grade eating <laughs> glue and paste when I was like covering a professional basketball team. But aside from that. Um, in my defense, I'm pretty sure we put on like a pretty uh, intricate holiday play that year. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, it wasn't all glue and paste, brother. Um, you Fair know, enough. we had some, uh, yeah. Anyway, that will do it for today's episode of Open Floor. John, thank you so much uh, for sitting back in the host chair again. This was a lot of fun. Thank you to all our listeners. We should have some more fun episodes coming up as we approach the start of the season. Uh, I know we didn't hit the mailbag today, but please keep those emails coming openfloormail at gmail.com uh, until the next episode please continue to enjoy the NBA our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.